Welcome to the Arlington Street Church podcast. Founded in 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the greater Boston area and beyond. We are located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets, across from the Public Garden in Boston, Massachusetts. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. At Brigham and Women's Hospital, and now at Hope Hospice, I am blessed to be a chaplain. Yes, I'll admit it, the job is often very sad. But I'm also inspired by the love, grace, courage, devotion, humor, and insightfulness of the patients and families I meet. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death from the 23rd Psalm sums it up. I walk most days in the shadow of death with our patients. The work is a spiritual practice of sorts in that I am reminded every day of how precious life is, how fragile life is, how everything can change in just a moment. I am reminded daily of what matters the most. Like the Tibetan Buddhists suggest, I have the opportunity to contemplate death in order to appreciate and celebrate life. Sometimes I sit with our patients and just breathe along with them when that is all that is left to do. The patients I visit wish they had spent more time with their families and friends and less time at work. They wish they had slowed down and offered the most important people in their lives more of their love instead of keeping it for themselves. Lama Surya Das, a Buddhist teacher who visits ASC now and then, says, why do people hoard their love? Do they think they are going to run out of it? While it seems obvious, it is often death that reveals our relationships to be our most important possessions. A cancer patient whose life was ending said he had worked hard to have no regrets so he could rest now and be at peace. He told me he had recently paid a debt from decades before. He felt that he owed someone $50, and he tracked them down, found their address, and mailed a note and a check. The friend didn't even remember the debt, but also had cancer and doubled the amount and sent it to the American Cancer Society. More importantly, this is how they reconnected, and they were now offering support to each other. When I asked his permission to share his story, he liked this idea a lot and said it would be part of his legacy. He wanted others to face death as he did, from a place of peace, a place of no regrets and no unfinished relationships. The late Unitarian Universalist minister Forrest Church in his final book written while he was dying, called Love and Death, put it this way. 
To be free to accept death is to be free, period. The courage we need comes before, when we face our own demons or reach out across the great divide to touch hands. It is life work, not death work, but it pays great dividends down the line. He continues, so if you need to, put down that drink or pick up the phone or take that long postponed trip. You know what your unfinished business is. Death may come as a thief in the night, but it cannot steal the love you have given away, the strength you have shown in facing life's hardships, or the courage you faced in quitting your own inner demons. In taking care of your unfinished business and in helping your loved ones take care of theirs, you can liberate yourself and them from suffering. Suffering that if you wait too long, may one day become intractable, written in indelible ink, darkening the pages of your life. The common thing, themes I see when I visit people who are facing the end of their life are a strong desire to reconnect, to reconcile broken relationships by forgiving and being forgiven, to have the story of their lives listened to very deeply and valued, and to know that they are loved. We don't have to wait till we or someone we love is faced with a serious illness to reprioritize, to create connections and to deeply listen and to value each other. But I see this waiting this hesitancy to reconnect happen all the time. People always think that there will be more time. But because accidents and sudden illnesses do happen, it's never too soon to express forgiveness or to ask for it, or to say thank you and I love you to the people who have been an important part of our lives. As we heard in Anne-Marie's first solo, don't forget to breathe. Your whole life is here. No 11th hour reprieve. Keep your head above the water, but don't forget to breathe. No 11th hour reprieve. Don't wait till time runs out to take a small step. Maybe an email, a card, a note, a phone call. I know personally it's hard to take the first step, and we can't control the response we will receive, but we can open our own hearts and replace the regrets we carry with us with the peace of having tried to reach out. We may even find the joy of reconnecting. Or we may not get an immediate response, but we might plant a seed that blossoms in the future. I wrote to a professor who fortunately hadn't already retired to apologize to her for how I had ended our relationship. This was a regret that I had carried with me for a long time. She had great hopes and plans for me, but they weren't my goals or my plans. I didn't have the skills I have now, so I didn't approach her directly. I disappeared. 
I wrote without expectation of a reply, but she did reply and was happy to know that I was using our work together in a related way. Several years later, I heard her voice in the hallway in the middle of the night at the Brigham. She had a distinctive accent. She was asking a nurse for help to find something to drink while they settled her husband into a room. I approached her and we sat together for quite a while that night and I listened to the story of her husband's illness and how much her life had changed. I really hope I would have approached her if I had never written and apologized, if I had never reconnected, but I can't help but wonder if I might have been too uncomfortable to do so. I'd like to remind you, since you already know this, that the greatest gift we can give anyone, young or old, sick or healthy, is the gift of love and understanding and acceptance. And that we can do this by simply listening, being totally present by giving the gift of ourselves. We all long to be understood, we all desire acceptance, and if we are lucky, we have had people in our lives who truly listen, who accept us, and who encourage our dreams. The gift of our attention and understanding makes people feel validated and valued. Being truly listened to means that we're taken seriously, that our ideas and feelings are known, and that ultimately what we have to say matters. The yearning to be listened to and understood is a yearning to escape our perceived separateness and to bridge the space that divides us. Duane Huebner, an educator and theologian, says, God is the love that bridges the space between us. God exists in the world when we express the love between us. God is the love between us. From a more psychological perspective, listening nourishes our sense of worth, and even the most well-adjusted among us need the attention of others to sustain us. Dr. Michael Nichols tells us that the need to be heard, which is something we often take for granted, turns out to be one of the most powerful forces in human nature. Being listened to is the medium through which we discover ourselves as understandable and acceptable. And when we can learn to hear the unspoken feelings that lie beneath another's anger or impatience, we can discover the power to release the bitterness that keeps people apart. With a little effort and a little curiosity, we can learn to hear the hurt and pain that's often underneath the anger, or the resentment behind avoidance, or the vulnerability that often makes us afraid to speak and sometimes afraid to really listen. When we understand the healing power of listening, we can even begin to listen to things that make us uneasy. We can take a breath and not interrupt. 
We can breathe and stop ourselves from providing advice that hasn't been requested. We can just breathe and be present. The receptive listener who actually puts down the remote, puts down the cell phone, turns off the TV and gives us their full attention, helps us to express what we need and feel. I deeply believe that a burden divided, a burden shared is a burden divided. A joy that's shared is a joy that's increased. To have our experience truly understood and accepted by someone who listens is a gift to the human heart. But how honestly can we say, including myself, that we do this? We multitask, we pick up the phone. Moving forward, we might try to be mindful and notice our ways of being distracted from each other. And take a breath and in that space, make a more compassionate choice to truly listen. It is said that President Franklin D. Roosevelt, who often endured long reception lines, decided that the guests were never really listening to what he was saying. He decided to try an experiment. As each guest arrived, he greeted them warmly, smiled politely, and said, I murdered my grandmother this morning. As he anticipated, People responded with such comments as marvelous, keep up the good work, we're proud of you, and God bless you. It was not until the end of the line that the ambassador from Bolivia actually listened. He leaned over and whispered, I'm sure she had it coming. The gift of listening, the gift of understanding, the gift of love cannot be found at the mall or on the internet. We can't wrap it and mail it. It's a gift we carry with us, but that we must choose to give. If we can slow down and breathe during the rest of the holiday season, or perhaps if we can slow down and breathe in 2020, this gift is a gift we can give more often. It's a gift that won't run out, need batteries, or be replaced by a new model. And it's a gift that I promise you will be long remembered by those who receive it. There is a quote often attributed to Maya Angelou, but according to QuoteInvestigator.com, probably originated with Cal Buener, an official in the Mormon church. But whoever said it, it reminds us of this truth. They may forget what you said, but they will never forget how you made them feel. In my reading this morning, I read that we hold out the chalice of our being. We give back, if we can, something of ourselves some love, some beauty, some grace, some gift. We give back in gratitude if we can. I love this image that we carry our chalice with us as we go. 
During all the competition for our money with a sale for each day of the week, we can forget that we carry our most precious gifts with us all the time. We carry our gifts with us wherever we go, like the three kings who will arrive with their gifts and be celebrated in much of the world next week on the 12th day of Christmas. It's too late to turn back the tide of the recent holiday commercialism, but Valentine's Day is coming, and birthdays and other special events when we might offer our time and our presence because that is what people truly desire. I don't often quote things I've read on Facebook in my sermons, but there is something I read recently that I thought summed things up. The actor Liam Nielsen was speaking about his late wife, but I think, what we can, I think we can apply what he says to anyone important to us. He said, we have to be thankful because one day when you look up from your phone, they won't be there anymore. What I truly learned most of all is live and love each day like it's your last, because one day it will be. I would add, live and love every day like it's your last, because this is a way to focus on what matters most. This is a way to live out our most important values, a way to carry and share the chalice of our being with each other and with our hurting world. As we move through the rest of the holiday season and in the new year ahead, may we remember those who truly need our gifts. May we express our love in more direct ways than gifts, and may we be peacemakers with our circle of family and friends. Amen and Happy New Year. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear from you via email at office at ASCBoston.org or through our Facebook page. If you would like to support the good work of Arlington Street Church, please consider a contribution by checking the mail or through our website, ASCBoston.org.